thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. There it is. (laughs) Hello, people. This is Point of Grace. Yeah. Don't spend your life looking back. Turn up the music. Turn it up loud. It's not what you did, it's how you live. So this is a point of grace. More than just on the holidays. And dance with your wife. Tell your husband you love him every night. You can't get away. All right, share this out, people, okay? And you'll be okay. Turn up the music. Turn it up loud. Take a few chances. Let it all. It's not what you did, it's how you live. Oh, wherever you are, wherever you are, now is the time to leave. So give to the needy and pray for the grieving. Even when you don't think that you can Cause all that you do is bound to come back to you So think of your fellow man Make peace with God, make peace with yourself Oh yeah Cause in the end, there's nobody else Turn up the music, turn it up loud, take a few chances, 
And it's not what you did, it's how you live. It's not who you knew, and it's not what you did. So this is Point of Grace, and the song is called How You Live. Yeah, it is. I like that song a lot. I actually was reminded of this song a couple days ago, because when I left Pickleball, um, Dana, the, the guitar player for Point of Grace, and the husband of one of the lead singers, uh, Lee, uh, <laughs> him and I were leaving the Pickleball, or the, the place where we live in the place where we live. We live there when we play pickleball. Anyway, we were leaving the, the facility. He had been playing racquetball and and I was playing pickleball and it, I know, it reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, I, I haven't listened to Point of Grace in a while. So I thought I would share that with you. And in light of all this breaking news about Kanye West, I thought, you know, this is a hot topic. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, just so you know. But I do want to I want to share um, just a couple of thoughts that I have, and um, you can take it <laughs> or leave it <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, and pardon the shirt. I just got home from Awana, Awana Clubs, where I used my trusty Ladies of Justice gavel to, to do a lesson for the children. And, and anyway, Randall's going to be doing um, the Bible study. What's your topic for tonight, Randall? The Temple of God. The temple of God. All right, cool. And what? Where is that going to be? John something. Uh, First Kings eight primarily. First Kings chapter eight. Okay, so people get your Bibles. After all, this is Bible news radio, um, and Randall will be bringing God's word to you momentarily here. But first, I want to say hi, and I want to also thank you guys um, for coming in last night to to listen to Todd Hampson and me talking about his book, The Nonprofit's Guide to the Book of Revelation. Super happy that, um, that Gina called in last night, but also super happy that, <clears throat> that you guys got to hear him talk about this book. And I really, really, you know, you, if you watch me a, a lot, you can, you can actually really see the, um, the books that I really, 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 really like. <laughs> this is a book I really, 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 really like. I like this book for so many reasons. I'm going to tell you, this is not a Bible study in the sense of a typical Bible study book. He literally walks you through the whole book of Revelation, but he does this with super great graphics and and illustrations and I really want to encourage you that if you want to study the book of Revelation get this book for yourself I mean really do yourself a favor it's really well written um, <clears throat> Todd is a, a student of scripture he's not uh, he's not a pastor or anything he's just a man of God who who took his gift of illustration and um, his love of Bible prophecy and he's writing these books, and they're really, really good. And he told me off air that his next book is going to be The Nonprofit's Guide to Spiritual Warfare. And I don't know about you, but that's going to be a cool book. And that's going to be coming out next year, uh, probably at the end of the year. But, but yeah, if you have not seen this book, you know, if you want to watch the whole interview with us that we, that we did, it was an hour, 
um, watch it and then go get the book. <laughs> Christmas is coming up. Might want to get the book. I actually do have this linked in my Bible News Radio um, Amazon store, which is Amazon.com forward slash store forward slash Bible News Radio, I think. Um, I think it's probably in the link below too, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, if you get it through our store, you know, we get like a quarter <laughs> or something like that. But but I highly encourage you to get it. And Gina, I will be getting this in the mail to you this week. Um, I will be sending you a copy because you called in. Are we going to have people able to call in tonight? Um, I haven't prepared for that. Yeah, we didn't. We didn't actually. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, sorry about that. <laughs> kind of hard to do it on the fly right yeah, now. Yeah, that's okay. So, you can't call in tonight. But I will say, now let the so the second thing I want to say is that, you know, it's interesting, this whole thing with Kanye West that's come out now. I know that he just released a new album. Uh, he's come out as a believer, as a follower of Christ, I believe, as a Christian. And, um, you know, basically, there there's this huge controversy about it. And on the one hand... I have, I see um, all of these people who are celebrating that he's saved and they're jumping up and down and they're like, yay, he's saved. This is awesome, awesome, awesome. And then on the other hand, I see people going, are you serious? This guy isn't really saved. You guys should be looking at the fruit and make sure that this guy is really saved. And then you got the like, yay, this guy is saved. You guys shouldn't be so judgmental over here who are saying you should look at the fruit that this guy is saved. So it's really interesting to me as a spectator to watch what the culture does, in particular the Christian culture, um, over the conversion of Kanye West. Now, I'm just going to be honest. I don't really follow the guy, so I don't, I don't have any love or hate for him. <laughs> I have no feelings whatsoever for the guy. I know the name. That's about it. I actually, um, you know, don't even really know what he's famous for. Isn't he a rapture or something like that? Um, a rapper? Didn't, yeah, I think that's what he is. I don't know. Anyway, the point is that this is my point. The Bible talks about how in, in heaven, the angels of heaven rejoice when sinner when one sinner repents and comes to Jesus. Okay. Now baby believers, let's say a genuine conversion has taken place. A baby believer, a, a little babe, and that's what you're called in the Bible, in case you didn't know that. You are literally called a babe, right? The babes of God's word need um the milk of the word. That's that's the first thing that you eat when you're a baby, right? I mean, even as a baby, you drink milk. You know, um, whether it's natural or, you know, formula fed, whatever, as a baby, you drink milk until you get mature enough to be able to take in solid meat or, or food, right? You, you get, you get food and then you get meat. So, so here's my thought on that. My thought is that, you know what, you can't expect a baby believer, okay, let's assuming his conversion is real. You can't expect a baby believer to maybe represent Christ the way a uh, uh, an older believer who can eat meat can, right? So, you, you know, just like you can't expect a baby to eat a hamburger right away, <laughs> you know. Um, by the way, fun fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but you remember VeggieTales? VeggieTales was originally created <clears throat> in, in Phil Vischer and... Uh, 
Mike Naraki who play uh, Larry. Uh, the most key, of the characters. Yeah, they play most of the thing. Phil Phil is Bob the Tomato, and and Mike Mike is Larry the Cucumber. Did you know this is just a fun fact? I don't know why this popped in my head, but I thought I'd share. Did you know that the original ideal for Veggie Tales was actually candy? <laughs> Did you know that they were actually going to have candy like figure people, like teaching Bible lessons to children? And guess who put a stop to it? If you said a mother, you're absolutely right. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the outcry and the from all the mothers who are trying to get kids to eat vegetables from like the popularity of what Veggie Tales would have been? <laughs> I found that out as um, uh, as uh, when I interviewed Mike a long time ago. I actually interviewed him many years ago, but um, and I actually interviewed Larry the Cucumber as well. Yeah, I did. Mike got off the phone, put Larry on, and I got to talk to him. But anyway, all that to say, back to the point. The point is that, hey, you know what? God rejoices when anybody repents and receives Jesus, right? But we can't expect a baby believer to be mature in the faith. You just can't. And, you know, there are benefits to baby believers. I'm going to tell you what one of them is. One of them is that if it's a true conversion... There is a zealousness there for Christ that, frankly, a lot of seasoned believers, as I just saw you use, actually lose. You use your, you lose your zealousness for the Lord if you end up being one of those older believers who just kind of gets in your way and oh, I'm in bad church, oh, the same old boring thing, you know. In fact, I remember, <laughs> I remember. Um, <clears throat> when I was a young, zealous believer, uh, I went to church and the guy, uh, the, the guy, I think, I don't know who it was. I forgot who it was, but this guy said to me, he said, oh, don't worry. It'll wear off in a couple of years. Well, I just want you people to know that I've been a Christian going close to 40 years now. Yeah, I'm getting old. Almost 40 years. It's about 36. Um, but almost four decades. I can tell you what, um, my zealousness for Christ and all he's done for me has not wore off. Maybe I'm a more tame in my approach, but some that's questionable. <laughs> but what I can tell you now is that I have 40, almost 40 years looking back and seeing what the Lord has done for me in my life and the way he's grown me, matured me, stretched me in my faith, carried me through things I never thought I would get through and all that. So my attitude about Kanye West is this, you know what, church? Let's be mature. Pray for the man, okay? If he's truly converted, right, then I'll tell you what's happening. The enemies of the cross, Satan himself and his demons, will do everything in their power to attack him and to pull him down and to make him fall back into his old sinful, wicked ways. Uh, if he's truly a believer, the demons, you know, they're not happy, right? Um, and he's going to have a huge, huge, huge war on his hands with his followers and the world. Now, if he isn't truly converted, then none of that matters. None of that matters. And, you know, I find it funny that often we forget this stuff. Yes, we're supposed to judge the fruit. And only God knows the heart, right? God said in the book of 1 Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. And that's all of us. I mean, there's a lot of posers in the church. 
Okay, there's a lot of posers in the pulpit out there, which I know, uh, how dare I say, there's a lot of posers here on Periscope as well. But you know what? God knows the heart. And so if this man is truly uh, a believer, great. You know, in the book of Philippians, I was reading this this week, you know, the Bible says, Paul said, hey, you know what? Whether in truth or pretense, if Christ is preached, I'm good with it. So here's the thing. God's word never returns void. It will accomplish that which he sent it forth to do, Isaiah 55, 12, I think. You know, his word doesn't return void. If Kanye West is really a believer, there's nothing that anybody can do uh, to deny that. And, um, you know, and God will use him. And I pray, I pray that it's true. And I also pray that, you know, the fruit of his faith and the courage it's taken him to stand up for his faith, even as a black man voting for Trump or speaking out in favor of Trump, which I read that too, that's a big deal in today's culture. <laughs> for that alone, he gets attacked, right? So um, let me just say, you know, pray for the man. And if if he's really born again, then let's rejoice in that. And if he isn't, let's pray he is, right? I mean, only God really knows. But, um, you know, I would... I would encourage you to step away from the worship of celebrity Christians and not get all, you know, caught up in that um, because that in itself is a, is a trap. It's a subtle trap uh, from the enemy, and it's hard to stand as a believer in Hollywood. And the real believers in Hollywood, you, you know who they are because they're persecuted. Is Kanye West persecuted yet by his own people? I haven't seen it. So, you know... God knows. And that's all I'm going to say on that. All right. So let me, um, I saw that there's some comments here. Let me scroll back here and see if I can read <clears throat> some of them. Um, Sweet Funky put in quite a few prayer requests. So those of you who are in there, pray for what she's writing. I'm not going to read all those on the air. Uh, let's see here. Um, Do, 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 do. Okay, okay. He is a hip hop artist now, apparently a Christian artist with a new album. Yeah. Hi, Angie. I did like his response to Jimmy Kimmel's questions about asking if he is now a Christian. Okay, I I wouldn't know. Um. Okay. Some people say they love Veggie Tales. Okay. Satan was cast out of heaven. Why does the Bible record Satan appearing before God at times in heaven? Okay, you are mistaken. Okay, that's a debate going on there. Okay, so there's really nothing there that I need to read on the air. Uh, so, Bareface, do you want to take it away with what we're going to talk about or just add a comment comment about Kanye West? Because you're the one that brought it actually to my attention. I am? Well, I think, I think so. Hmm, well, I you're the one it. that taught me how to say his name. Yeah. Because I kept saying, huh? How do you say that? Kane, Kane. <laughs> N before Y. Kanye. Anyway, says yeah. says the says the guy with mild dyslexia. Yeah. True story. All right. Um. Anyway, um, yeah, I I think you're spot on. You know, there's a lot of people, you know, on both sides are they're either building him up as oh, you know, this is great. He's a Christian. He's going to lead millions and. You know, he's he's now, you know, this, the poster child for Christianity. And that's how we got people, well, he's a celebrity, it's, you know, skin deep, and he's going to, you know, he's just leading the masses astray, blah, blah, blah. And 
I like both sides is like chill, okay? <laughs> he's a believer, he's a new believer. Time will tell. Don't you know, don't write his monument in stone as the greatest, you know, as the new Moses and don't and don't, you know, throw him in the trash heap of, you know of history. Yeah, and the, <laughs> you know, another celebrity bites the dust. You know, it just chill. Wait and see. Uh, you know, Paul talks about not laying hands too quickly, you know, on yeah, a believer. Um, There's, oh, wow, great. He's a believer. We're going to put him in all sorts of ministry, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, wait, slow down. <laughs> Give them time to, you know, basically prove themselves. Mature, not really pr prove themselves, but to mature. There's a maturing process, just like there is in, you know, our natural bodies. And in spiritual life, there's a maturity that takes place, too. You're not going to come out of the gate, you know, as as the great evangelist or, you know, the, you know, the newest apostle or whatever. Um, I think those that office is no longer open, but that's another discussion in the capital A sense. Um, anyway, so yeah, just cool, cool your jets, people. Meditate, eat a hamburger, slow down. Don't hype it this way or that way. Eat a hamburger. Um, yeah, that was um, going back, show, showing my age here. Um, back in the 70s during the whole energy crisis of the 70s, like 73, 74, that kind of. Um, um, well, I guess it would have been later on because it was at the, at the time of... Um, just about the time that the American hosses were taken in the revolution of Iran. Um, anyway, I forget who the, one of these parody songs, talking about the Ayatollah, hmm. talking about Khomeini at that point, and there's kind of refrain in the song. It says, cool your jets, meditate, eat a hamburger. You know, Angie is saying something here. <clears throat> she said here, <clears throat> excuse me, she said, I'm cautiously optimistic, and I am praying for him, but I would love to hear him renounce his blasphemies against the Lord. He is still making money on his albums that some are pretty lyrically satanic. Mm -hmm. I know that the sanctif sanctification process takes time. Yeah, yeah you know what? And that's, an in that's another, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know what's going on with my voice. That's another interesting point you bring up, because yeah. um, how many of you, like, like when you got radically saved, you burned all your ACDC and Kiss albums, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I profited from mine. I took them down to the record store and sold them. <laughs> I never had them. God well, saved I me. Have, I was. I did have, I did have a cassette ACDC. Although, I never had Kiss stuff, but I did stop listening to Air Supply after I got became a believer. I'm all out of love. I was about to I'm say so that. I'm so lost without you. <laughs> <laughs> okay anyway uh anyway so there there is uh <laughs> all right let's randall go ahead and and uh um yeah we're showing our age middle-aged man yeah we are right <laughs> i need to find my browser here okay uh just thinking about uh tonight and what to talk about i would just this popped into my mind, this particular, well, the dedication of the first temple, uh, known as Solomon's Temple. I mean, Solomon didn't 
build it single-handedly, but he was king when basically he orchestrated and oversaw the construction of the first temple in, in, uh, in Jerusalem, in Jerusalem. And then the second temple, it's kind of, I don't know why it is, but the, the, um, the temple of Zerubbabel or the time when Zerubbabel was governor immediate after the return Mm -hmm. from the Exodus, as never gets counted is the second temple when it really was, but whatever, for some reason, you know, the, the scholars like to call Herod's temple. The second temple that would have been standing at the time of uh, Yeshua of Jesus in the first century and destroyed in AD 70. And then we're looking for the construction of the third temple, which we read about in the book of Revelation, a temple yet to come. And um, and that's sort of sig- sort of significant. It's really significant, but it's it's sort of significant in what we're going to be looking at tonight. Um um, sort of the importance or almost not importance of the temple. But yeah, I thought it was interesting that if you really count temples that were built, you know, you go back to um, uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, you know, God's whole campaign that they were building their houses, you know, and want to get their houses finished before the house of God was complete. And so there was a temple in between Solomon's temple and Herod's temple, Herod the Great, by the way, but I don't know why why it's never counted in the temples, because we talk about the you know, first temple period, second temple period, and looking forward to the third, it's like, wait, I mean, I know it wasn't all that, but it gets discounted, literally, it's not counted, it's uncounted. All right, so we're going to look at first Kings chapter 8, the dedication of the first temple in Jerusalem. And rather than give you some background on it, it's in the text. Uh, Sufficient background gives us the the context for what's happening uh, because Solomon rehearses that in his dedication speech. So let's just jump into it and let's do so prayerfully, shall we? Father God, thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy, every good and perfect gift that you lavish upon us moment by moment. And as if the blessings in our life weren't enough, we have this, thy word, which has been preserved throughout the ages uh, for the instruction and equipping uh, of all the saints through all the ages. And what a wonderful gift we have to have your word. Uh, translated into our own uh, native language and um, many languages throughout the earth. Uh, we pray that you would give us understanding, Lord, spirits that are receptive to your spirit as we are open to receive what you have for us. We commit ourselves in this time to you, to use as you will for our good, but primarily for your glory. We ask this in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter 8. The finishing touch after the building was built was to bring the Ark, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, that um, that box overlaid with gold, that wooden box overlaid with gold and adorned with cherubim that had the, that had the tablets in there 
of the of the commandments had the showbread in there and had Aaron's rod that had budded as a sign of his you know choosing to be high priest anyway those things uh and that that ornate box was you know the finishing thing was to bring it into uh the holy of holies there was a holy of holies before in the in the tabernacle the temporary uh tent as as you know uh, Israelites uh, moved through the wilderness uh, in the time of Moses, but even afterward, as they got settled in the Promised Land, uh, the temple, you know, the place of God, the tent of meeting, was still pretty much a tent. There were some semi, um, semi-permanent parts of it, like more rigid walls, but still a tent covering when it dwelt in Shiloh or Shiloh. Uh, Stacy and I were there several years ago to to check that out and anyway but so this is you know the first permanent structure anyway and and so as the holy of holy or as the ark had been placed in the holy of holies even in the tent of meeting the tabernacle um it was fitting to bring it into this permanent uh temple and you know it, it's not the temple of god until the you know the resting place of God per se, the where His glory would uh, manifest uh, was moved in. So, all right, back to the text. Now Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief fathers of the children of Israel, to King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from the city of David, which is Zion. Therefore, all the men of Israel assembled with King Solomon at the feast in the month of Ethanim, which is the seventh month. So all the elders of Israel came, and the priests took up the ark. Then they brought up the ark of the Lord, the tabernacle of meeting, and all the holy furnishings that were in the tabernacle, so the semi-permanent structure. Uh, the priests and the Levites brought them up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled with him were with him before the ark, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. Terrible day for PETA and um, animal worshippers everywhere. But uh, since they were in an act of worship to God according to the law, uh, you know, they sacrificed uh, sheep uh, and oxen. And let's talk about that for just a moment. Because people, oh, God is such a gory God, whatever, and bloodthirsty and wants all these animal sacrifices. It's not the, it's not the animals themselves. It's the sacrifice part. It's not the sacrifice of an animal. It's the sacrifice of the animal owner. When you are in an agrarian society animals are very important to you and uh, sheep you know that you're going to get milk from that sheep you're going to get wool from that sheep um, for the entire life of that animal several years you're going to get part of your livelihood and an oxen is going to help you plow also uh, you know females of course like the sheep giving you milk etc and the death of that animal um, you know, you've got its hide and, and other things. This is, it's, 
it's like probably modern day owning, you know, a, a car, you know, expensive car. If you just gave that up, I mean, a big deal, you know, kind of irreplaceable uh, if you don't have the money to repurchase it. So throughout the Levitical law um, and um, Deuteronomy also, we see these, um, uh, anyway, throughout the Torah, the, the commandments, um, well, the, the law is Torah. Um, uh, mitzvot is the commandments. Um, there are the sacrifices. Even going back to Genesis, you know, uh, Cable and Ain, <laughs> Abel Cain. and Cain. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Cain and Avel. Uh, Cain and Abel. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, there was God had, you know, um, Havel, Abel, offered what was right, pleasing to God, and that was an animal sacrifice. See, that's a real sacrifice. You you lose that animal, you're losing out on a big part of your livelihood, and you can't just replace an animal. Uh, Cain, or Cain, he brought vegetables, right? I mean, that's not a huge sacrifice. But he was a tiller of the ground, that's what he had. Well, he could exchange some vegetables for an animal or whatever, a whole lot of vegetables to, to buy an animal, but you know if if you have you know if you pull up a bunch of carrots, you can probably grow you know depending on what time of the year you can grow some in a few weeks, right? It's, it's not a it's not a sacrifice, um, and God's attention to our sin is that we are worthy of death in order to redeem ourselves, you know, so we don't die. There's an animal in our place to 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 really understand how serious sin is, and there's a huge sacrifice. I mean, if a similar system was implemented today, which there isn't, but you know, if you had to, I wouldn't know. like it. Yeah, I, mean, I just wouldn't because I wouldn't want to look at all the animals being killed. It but just, no, I, I mean, couldn't do it. I mean, in modern day in a non non agrarian society, if you had to bring your car right. and offer to the altar. I mean, you know. By the way, there's a couple of people saying hi on YouTube. Okay. Ten. Barb is Barb said hi. Hi, Barb. Okay. And George said hi, too. Hi, George. Okay. I don't know if anybody else is watching. But, you know, you bring a $15,000, $20,000 car and then just and burn it up. <laughs> I mean, that would, if that was required. Oh, yeah. That would that would stink, wouldn't it? I mean, yeah, where, are you, where are you going to get the money to replace that? Speaking and speaking of cars, sacrifice. I have a question, and it's completely non-related to what Bareface just said. None of it has. That's none... what keeps us interesting. Well, okay, so you guys, you know, I got a new phone, and it's super great. I love it. But my favorite game, it's just it's it won't they, it won't update. So I've had to find. <laughs> So I've had to find a new game to play. And here's the thing. I like race car games. Okay? Let's just admit it. Okay? I, I like race card games. And what I need is one of you geeks out there, because I know there's some of you out there. You clearly are. Um, I need you guys to tell me what a good gaming race car game is where... Where you're racing the car, but you're using the phone to turn the car, the actual phone. You're not using the, the thumb or the finger 
to shift lanes or anything. U- using the accelerometer in the phone. In the phone, right. So, cause, Rather than on screen. That's controls. what I need, okay? I need this to chill from all my other stuff I do. So if you have one of those games that you play, let me know. I know some of you out there, you probably do. And it has to be on my phone, which is a Galaxy down with iPhone. No, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, that was for free. Okay, back to Bareface. Droid. All right, so <laughs> stream of consciousness um, <laughs> conversation here. Anyway, so the whole thing with the you know the sheep and oxen that were sacrificed and could not be counted for you know number um, that just shows the worshipful state of what's going on. Not an animal hatred or God is a bloodthirsty God or anything. It's like you know this. This is it's a it's a self-facing uh, kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, rather than sacrifice, we're going all out. We're gonna. This is costly to us to show how great this you know giving honor to God. All right, sacrificing sheep and oxen that could not be counted or numbered for multitude. All right, verse six, moving right along here. All right, then the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple to the most holy place, that holy of holies, under the wings of the cherubim. Now, besides just the the angels that were cast into the lid of the Ark of the Covenant, there were also placed um, uh, these statues in the Holy of Holies of cherubim. Don't get your idea of these cherubs, these little fat babies with wings and bow and arrow, little tiny bow and arrow of uh, Valentine's. And even though we get cherub, that's cherub, it's, it's, a, it's a transliteration uh, from the Hebrew. That the, the picture of angelic beings is never cute little cuddly things, okay? Just, just saying. The angel that I saw wasn't cute or cuddly. Right. So, so you know. So the cherubim or cherubim um, that were placed in the holy of holies, um, you know, towering figures and and the um, and because it's modeled after the heavenly, after the heavenlies, you know, if you look in Isaiah chapter six, right, uh, when Isaiah has you know is taken in the spirit to you know the throne room of God and the, and the the angels on either side, you know, they had six wings and screaming, holy, 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 in a place filled with smoke, just like the incense. Anyway, the the earthly temple patterned after the heavenly. Anyway, okay, for the, the cherubim, the cherubim, uh, spread their two wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim overshadowed the ark and its poles. The poles extended so the cherubs Oh, so that the ends of the poles could be seen from the holy place in front of the inner sanctuary, but they could not be seen from outside. And they are there to this day. Of course, when this was being written, it uh, doesn't mean this day that we're reading this, but the day that this was written. Um, some, uh, what, about 900 B.C., somewhere in there? Anyway. Uh, nothing was in the ark except the two tablets of stone which Moshe or Moses put there at Horeb uh, when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. 
so that's in there there's kind of all this history it tells you what's in there nothing was in there except the two tablets of stone so it didn't have the mana and it didn't have the uh, Aaron's rod that budded anyway and it came to pass when the priests came out of the holy place that the cloud that the cloud not a cloud the cloud same cloud that led the Israelites by day a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night go back to Exodus anyway that the cloud filled the house of the Lord something that hadn't been seen probably in in uh, probably centuries uh, so that the priest could not continue ministering because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord and Solomon spoke, the Lord said he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have surely built you an exalted house and a place for you to dwell in forever. So, all right, get get the, wow, the time's slipping away. Um, yep. Get, get the feeling of this. The, the temple, this huge temple structure, it's, you know, it's, it's completed. It's, and so it's being finished off by bringing the Ark of the Lord in there when they do that. And then the... The glory of the Lord shows up in the cloud, not a cloud, but the cloud, like back in Exodus days. And they have to evacuate the place because uh, of the glory of the Lord's that's there. And um, and uh, just an, an awesome, celebratory, yet majestic kind of thing that's going on. So, verse 14. Then the king turned around and blessed the whole assembly of Israel while the all the assembly of Israel was standing. He said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who spoke with his mouth to my father David, and with his hand and had fulfilled it, saying, Since the day that I brought my people Israel out of Egypt, I have chosen no city from any tribe of Israel in which to build a house, that my name might be there. But I chose David to be over my people Israel. Now it was in the heart of my father David to build a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to my father David, Where it is in your heart to build a temple for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, you shall not build a temple, but your son, who will come from your body, he will build the temple for my name. So the Lord has filled, fulfilled his word which he spoke, and I have filled the position of my father David, and sit on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised, and I have built a temple for the name of the Lord God of Israel, and where I have made a place for the ark in which is the covenant of the Lord, which he made with our fathers when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you, who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants, who walk before you with all their hearts, you have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken it with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand, as it is this day. Therefore, God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel, only if your sons take heed to their way, that they walk before me as you have walked before me. And now I pray, O God of Israel, let your word come true, which you have spoken to your father, my your servant Dave my father but will God indeed dwell on earth behold heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain you much less this temple which I have built yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication O my God and listen to the cry and prayer 
what your servant is praying um, to you today. Now, for the sake of time, I'm going to speed this up and kind of paraphrase. So there's this whole, you know, whole temple dedication with all of its um, um, stuff. <laughs> I'm acknowledging Stacy. Yes, I see you. Um, you know, with all of its, its all of its splendor and majesty, and, and the majesty of God there, and Solomon recognizing that, hey, okay, your glory is showing up here, but hey, the heaven of heavens cannot heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain you, and that there's something to be said there. It's a whole nother sermon about heaven and the heaven of heavens, uh, the three heavens, but um, you know much less this temple that I've built. Um, and um, what comes after is interesting. But before we get there, we want to mention, uh, not coincidentally, that as we're looking at the Hebrew Scriptures, that uh, great place to get uh, really solid biblical teaching from a Jewish perspective is Ariel Ministries. Yes. And there's actually a couple of things I want to pull out. I want to point out there is a clearance sale right now on the Yeshua volume four uh, book it's going for sixteen dollars and fifty cents usually My goodness. usually it's a thirty three dollar uh, book so if you haven't gotten the final book in that series it's sixteen dollars and fifty cents and then subtract twenty percent from that you can get that and under the new items uh, thing if you go to the store and look under new items there's actually a new aerial ministries audiobook of the Yeshua, the Life of Messiah. Um, you can get the abridged version audiobook for only $24, which I, I have to tell you, Randall and I, when we were introduced to this um, series 25 years ago or something, uh, or 20 years ago, we bought the cassettes and the whole cassette. There's like, I don't know, 20 cassettes or something, and it was like over a hundred bucks. So to get this like <laughs> for under $25 is crazy. That's a, actually a great steal. If you, uh, if you know, you should get it just saying. And then they also have some new studies in the come and see series, which is, um, they have e, e downloads and actually the paperback on the Ru Ruach HaKodesh, which is the study of the Holy spirit. Uh, so there's that. And, uh, and then there's other things like what the Bible teaches about Israel, past, present, and future, and the feasts and fasts of Israel, which we've talked a lot about before. Um, and we even have it, Ariel Ministries even has this book now also in Spanish, which is super cool. So uh, there you go. So yeah, so don't forget, you can go to Ariel uh, and get your 20% discount there. Also, if you want to donate to Bible News Radio, that would be Bareface and me. Uh, we, we are looking for, for your help. And so give as the Lord leads you to. If you like what we do, donate. Um, we appreciate it because <laughs> we got a lot of extra bills that we weren't expecting. In fact, I, today on my Facebook page, I updated everybody about Tuggy Bear, our dog, and I posted a really good picture of him. Uh, his eye is starting to look good. It's still very red. Of course, it's going to be red for a while. 
Um, but if you want to donate just to the Tuggy Bear Dog Fund, that's cool too. You could do that as well. We'll put the, we will promise you we'll put that money toward the couple thousand dollar debt we have there uh, for him. Um, and if you still have not yet signed up for Legal Shield or Identity Theft Protection through me, uh, you know, set up a time to talk to me about that, and let's get you signed up. I'm still trying to meet my my goal for this month, October. I got three more days yet to meet it. Uh, so I need, I need one of you or two of you <laughs> to sign up. Actually, I really need two of you, but one of you could do it if you got the identity theft three bureau plan for a family that would do it. Uh, so get in touch with me and, um, and help us meet our goal while getting protected as well. Okay. Back to you, Bearface. All right. Well, this this um, this chapter is so rich. There's so much in it that I could. You want to go longer? Okay, uh, we'll put a. Well, how many of you want Randall to go longer? Just put a one. Um, if you only want him to go like ten more minutes, if so it's an hour show, put a two. So one longer, two shorter. We'll take a we'll take a poll right now. We'll probably turn it into weeks. But... <laughs> okay, Sean says one. Angie says one. Uh, so far, so that's two people so far who want longer. There's five people watching on YouTube that I know of. There's no comments over there, though. Uh, Mia says one. Looks like people want you to talk longer, Bearface. It's unanimous. All right. That is. Let's see if I can finish it up in 40 minutes. <laughs> Go to the <laughs> okay. bottom of the hour. All right. I'll be quiet now. Oh. All right. So we've got this majestic celebratory scene going on and Solomon recognizes hey well God indeed dwell on the earth behold the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you um, so so not the not our atmosphere not not the you know not outer space the wider space and not even the heavenly realms you know outside of the known universe um, even that cannot contain you. All the heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple? And he got it, you know, just like um, you know, it says in Isaiah chapter 66. Uh, Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made. All those th and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look, on whom who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles my who trembles at my word. So yeah, God says, you know, where's the house you're gonna build for me? Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, you know, and anything you'd make it out of are things that I've made, you know, you're gonna make them for me. And it's kinda like the old joke that um you know, um the ultimate, you know, brainiacs come before God. God, we've we've figured out how to make life on our own. We don't need you anymore. And he's like, Oh yeah, I prove it. And then they say, Okay, well, okay, we take this dirt. And he's like, Who's dirt? <laughs> Where did you get that dirt? You know, so even if man was able to create life from the dust as God did. It's still God's dust that, you know, we can't come up with anything that God didn't put there in the first place. All we can do is refashion things 
that God has created. And it's like we read these things about people, you know, about the scientific community mapping the human genome, uh, which, which the really, I, I mean, they've counted pairs and given numbers to all the things, but really understanding how all of DNA works, no, that doesn't mean they're a master of, of life. It just, you know, just looking at DNA should tell you that there's um, enormous uh, design there and intelligence. Anyway, I digress with little time. But what happens next in this prayer is is really telling. Great celebratory, majestic kind of holy thing. God's presence uh, fills the entire temple. You know, the priests have to evacuate the place uh, because of God's glory there. And um, Solomon goes on to say is, say, yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and prayer which your servant is praying before you today, that your eyes may be opened toward this temple night and day, toward the place of which you said, My lame shall be there, and you may hear the prayer of your servant makes toward this place. And may you hear the supplication of your servant and your people, Israel, when they pray toward this place, here in heaven, your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. Um, so the reason, you know, they'd be coming uh, to the Lord um, toward this place, this, this temple, is because they've sinned. And he goes on, not to say if, but when. When anyone sins against his neighbor, is forced to take an oath. When your people, Israel, are defeated before an enemy because they have sinned against you. When the heavens are shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against you, when there is famine in the land, pestilence, blighter, mildew, locusts, or grasshoppers, when their enemy brings, besieges them in the land of their cities, whatever plague or sickness there is, and uh, more of a considering a foreigner, it says when your people go out to battle, uh, etc., uh, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, you know, he's recognizing this as the, the, the stark contrast as, as God's holiness fills the temple. He's well aware that, you know, heaven and the heavens of heavens cannot contain. There's really no house to build for God. But since it's here and you, you said you put your name here, um, you know, when, when this happens because of sin, when that happens because of sin, when that circumstance happens because of sin. It was really prophetic because everything he talked about happened in the years and centuries to come. People, Israel, and all the ways they sinned and the consequences for those sins. Uh, as, as the text says, for there's, there's no one that doesn't sin. He recognized that. And compared to sin to God's holiness was this stark awareness of, of sinfulness. In there, however, is this, um, with each one of these things, this is when people come to this altar, when they turn towards this place. So I can see um, the, the desire, the urgency on the part of the non-Messianic Jew, uh, but, um, you know, um, religious to build another temple because that, you know, there's no temple to turn toward to. 
Right. Well, you see what's left, uh, which isn't the temple at all, is a retaining wall from the uh, from the structure, the temple structure, the top temple mound complex. Uh, that's the only thing left uh, from the time of Herod's temple. It's just this retaining wall, the wailing wall, the western wall, whatever. And that and that's where they come and pray and and place the scriptures in the crevices and that sort of thing because it's, it's as close as you get to the temple, even though probably most of that was below ground because, anyway, the Roman armies leveled the temple and all that. This is just the one remaining structure from that time. Anyway, so I can see the you know, the desire and the urgency to build this temple because you read this and it's turned toward this temple, come to this altar and, and you know, this is the place where God puts his name and without that temple, uh, we don't have anything. But then, you know, they really should know the scriptures and, and, and know the scriptures like Isaiah 66, you know, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where is the house you'll build for me? You know, where's the place of my rest? You know, you know, but on this one I will look on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. Basically, that's where I'm going to rest. That's where I'm going to put my favor. It's not in a in a physical structure. And uh, in Jeremiah, I'm trying to remember the chapter, but you know, Jeremiah was the prophet just prior to, well, actually, including the time of the Exodus when they the Babylonian conquest and. And the um, and the tribes uh, of uh, uh, Yehuda and Benjamin of, of Judah and Benjamin being taken into uh, Babylon. Anyway, and the Lord speaking to Jeremiah says, "You know, do not say to yourself, the temple of the Lord, the temple of these of the Lord are these." And goes on to talk about, you know, they were feeling, oh, because we have the temple, you know, we're good with God. Our our you know, we have favor with God because the temple is here. That's where he's placed his name. But, you know, the the presence of God, not only that cloud, that Exodus-like, you know, cloud, the Shekinah glory of God had left the temple. His 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 interest in um, presence had left the temple long ago. It was just a shell. He didn't dwell there. Um Going back to Isaiah chapter 66, um, Lord says, He who kills a bull as if he slays a man, he who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck, he who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood, he who burns incense as if he blesses an idol, just as they have chosen their own ways and their soul delights in their abominations, so I, will, so I will choose their delusions and will bring fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. And when I spoke, they did not hear. But they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. So even the time of Isaiah, you know, coming and doing the things, you know, bringing the sacrifices, but their hearts weren't right. And as Yeshua said, Jesus said, you know, well did uh, Isaiah speak of you they're, with their lips they draw near but their hearts are far from me um, so the, the having of a, a temple is 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 just that it's just a building it's just a structure 
uh, made with man's hands. Um, it's it's the hearts of the people that are important. So he says, you know, he because kills a bull if he slays a man who sacrifices a lamb if he breaks a dog's neck he offers grain offerings as if he offers swine's blood you know all these things are forbidden while they are following the letter of the law uh certainly the heart of law was not there so they're bringing the bull to kill but it's just as if they killed a man which is you know capital offense um in the Mosaic Law, he who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. A dog was is not a clean animal, and is not, uh, etc. Grain offerings like offering swine's blood, again, um, an unclean animal. So, anyway, um, fast forward to New Testament. We're gonna look at John chapter four, starting at verse nineteen probably familiar with this though the woman at the well a samaritan woman and um we could uh go on and on but in short um we talked about this before as we we're going through yeshua life of messiah from a messianic jewish perspective uh, that after the exodus you know um uh the uh those tribes uh of you know, the southern tribes, uh, Judah and Benjamin, were taken to Babylon. Prior to that, the, uh, the kingdom was split after Solomon. The northern ten tribes and the southern two tribes, and those northern ten tribes known as Israel, the southern two is Judah, and the northern ten tribes were conquered earlier by Assyria. And the Assyrian way of conquering a people was to, instead of just taking people captive back to their kingdom, they would take people that they captured from other places and bring them into the new captured area, take those people out and move them somewhere else, and basically dilute the native population so that there, you know, they wouldn't be familiar with the land or the ways in order to build up an uprising and be you know, foreign people in the foreign land trying to figure things out, which allowed the Assyrians to, you know, their extended kingdom their extended empire should say to you know keep uh, keep things under control and so some of the jews some of the jews that were left there after the syrian conquest were um you know intermarried with the foreigners that came in and you know considered half breeds and, and things so the um those that were originally of the northern ten tribes the kingdom of israel of which samaria 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 you know was their capital uh became known as the samaritans and uh and when the jews um returned from babylon you know later generations came back to jerusalem back in the southern there was this um uh yeah <laughs> talk about um, racial divide and tensions and stuff it was like really bad and could get more into that but that's kind of the stage and so Yeshua Jesus has this conversation with this woman the Samaritan at the well and that would be the well of Jacob um, um, they have this conversation and then things turn into religion, spiritual things. Verse 19, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. 
our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And the mountain she's speaking of there would be Mount Gerizim. And that mountain, um, uh, if you go back to Deuteronomy before and in the Promised Land, uh, six tribes were set at the top of Mount Gerizim, and the blessings were pronounced, and, and the other six tribes on the top of Mount Eval, and that's where the curses were announced. And Anyway, after the split of the kingdom, uh, with Samaria made the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel, uh, the, their place to worship was on Mount Gerizim, rather than on Mount Zion. Uh, in the south, you know, which is in the middle of Jerusalem, and so um, Gerizim, and the the modern place, the town name is Nablus. It's that's the Arabic name. Nablus is the um, place which the Romans called Neapolis, and the new city, Neapolis, Nablus. You can see the similarity, but but it's biblical times. It's Shechem, Shechem. And that's where um, Jacob's tomb is actually there still, and much uh, deteriorated and um, whatever, and vandalized and whatnot. But uh, anyway, so Mount Gerizim, uh, mountain she's talking about. So our fathers, others, you know, Samaritans, going back from the time of the split of the kingdoms, worshipped on this mountain, Gerizim. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is a place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. And just a little side note there, um, that this, this hostility, this divide, was not only there at the divide of the kingdom, but again, when the, the Jews, the undiluted Jews, I guess you could say, you know, those that were just the descendants of those that were taken captive to Jerusalem that had not intermarried uh, with other peoples, when they came back. Uh, there was this uh, particular um, distaste of the Samaritans. Um, and they, you know, because the, uh, what had happened is the northern king of Israel in separating themselves from the southern kingdom of Judah course you know the, the scriptures talk about uh, Jerusalem as a place to worship but that would that belonged to the southern kingdom now so they made Mount Gerizim and um, and in several places they changed the scriptures to accommodate this new northern kingdom the things that reference geographical places in the southern kingdom well they were now modified to make um, uh, the northern kingdom, you know, Samaria and Mount Gerizim and other things, you know, um, to fit the northern kingdom. And so the Jews returning at this point um, had, uh, all those happened before, uh, you know, 
decades and centuries before, coming back, there was this is more distaste. And they thought, you know, the scriptures are corrupted now. They even corrupted the Hebrew alphabet because the scriptures are written in the Hebrew alphabet. And what we know as the Hebrew alphabet today is really the Aramaic alphabet uh, because the Jews returning from Babylon had been, um, had been schooled and familiarized with the Aramaic alphabet. But because the Samaritans, as they saw it, had desecrated the written Hebrew language when they altered the scriptures to fit their kingdom, uh, they you know, it's, it's, it's tainted now. It's, it's, you know, adulterated. We can't use that. So they still kept the Hebrew language, but they started writing in the Aramaic, um, alphabet, little tip there. And so when Jesus says, you worship what you do not know, because, you know, your fathers made stuff up. They went and altered the scriptures uh, to fit their new kingdom. So um, he says, you know, you worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation of the Jews, going back to Abraham and the, and the unbroken chain of scriptures, not alterated, you know, not adulterated, not altered. Yeah, we know what we're talking about. You've got something. You Samaritans have a compromised uh, teaching. But, you know, nevertheless, verse 23, the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. That's um, John's um, you know, parenthetical remark for both audiences, because Jewish-speaking audience would know Mashiach, and the um, Greek term for the Greek speakers is Christos. Um, so I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. So when it comes to the a place of worship, there's this, well, you know, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, not Gerizim. You Jews stayed in Jerusalem, Mount Zion, that's a place to worship. And he's like, well, as an aside, you don't know what you're talking about because the scriptures you have are tainted. They're altered. But... Ultimately, it doesn't matter because the hour is coming and now is, it's both, when, when uh, you know, those who worship, you know, the true worshipers will worship the Father and Spirit in truth. It's not in this place, on this mountain, that mountain. It's not in this building or this other building. It's in spirit and truth. And it's important that he said the hour is coming because from his arrival and then his death and his resurrection and ascension you know from that is the that is not only the church age but that's the you know his coming is the instantiation of the new covenant and so there will be a new jerusalem and a new temple um, when you know the king of kings lord of lord will sit in it uh, to continue the davidic covenant but um, will be both, you know, king and priest. 
but with the arrival of Messiah, of the Christ, is is the new covenant. And so it's no longer this temple. The hour is coming, and now is it now is, as he was speaking, his arrival, put an end to that, and indeed just... Um, um, you know, less within a generation, the temple was destroyed by the Roman army, and uh, has not been rebuilt. And that's there's a reason for that because there's no place for it. There's no longer a place for sacrifice when the ultimate sacrifice has been made. There's no longer a place to come and worship. For God is, you know, the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And it's important. It's not just in spirit. What what you feel is right and, and being sincere, it's in spirit and in truth. As as he just talked to the Samaritan woman. You you worship what you don't know. You've you've got you don't have the you've got the corrupted scriptures. You don't know what's going on, but we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, that unbroken line from Abraham down. Not they weren't um and borrow anything from other cultures and they certainly didn't rewrite the scriptures so the father is seeking those who will worship him in spirit and in truth yes you have to be sincere uh, but also right <laughs> you have to be correct um, but again it's not a place it's not a mountain it's not a it's not a temple it's uh, those uh, seeking to worship you know in, in spirit and in truth and uh, and you know he repeats that 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 God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth and then he says you know the Messiah is coming when he comes to tell all he'll tell us all things and he said to her I speak to you am you know I, I'm he that the reason that the hour is coming and now is is because I'm him the Messiah has come the new covenant has been instantiated has been inaugurated and so there's no longer a need for a temple so as I see it getting all revelation on you here but you know the the third temple as it's called I don't know why it's called the fourth again Let's call it, well, at least let's call um, Zerubbabel's Temple 2A and then Herod's Temple 2B. I don't know. Anyway, so the third temple yet to be constructed. Not surprising that the Antichrist will set himself up in it because it's the construction of, again, it's construction of man's hands like the other temples, but for man's purposes. Just like Jeremiah when they say, oh, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord of these, you know, if we have a temple, then we're good with God. No, that's, I mean, even, and God made it clear to Jeremiah, through Jeremiah, he made it clear through Isaiah, you know, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, where's the house you're going to build for me? You know, but it's the one who's of, of, um, um, I had to go back, one who is poor and of a contrite spirit not necessarily you know economically poor but one basically someone who's humble contrite spirit and who trembles at my word not discounts it or or corrupts it but who trembles at my word 
this is the one who upon I look. That's where my resting place will be. And it's not in a place made by hands. Whatever you make with your hands, I made all that stuff to begin with. Um, so you're not going to really make anything for God because you know, the heavens and the earth exist uh, at his word. There's, we can make stuff from the stuff God has made. So I was just thinking, a little stream of consciousness here. This is Bible News Radio after all. How disappointing it must be to God when we take natural materials and make things that dishonor him out of them. Think about that for a minute. It's like, wow. You know, these are things that God has made. And, and it makes me think about a, um, a song by Petro many years ago. It talks about the rose of Sharon wore a crown of thorns that day. The carpenter had a nail right through his hands. The servant, uh, the master of the earth became a servant of no worth and paid a king's ransom for my soul. Well, that all those things that he had created were turned against him, fashioned into things that uh, brought him dishonor. And uh, Anyway, so, to sum up, A temple, even a you know a church building, whatever. Yeah, it's a nice to have sometimes a place of meeting, whatever. But to look upon it as oh, this is the house of God, and this this building, this structure somehow has its own its own glory and own significance, and is holy in and of itself. Uh, it's only holy when those who approach it, who enter it. Are holy, who have our contrite spirit, who tremble at His word, um, who who acknowledge Him and give praise to Him, uh, because that's where His resting place is, uh, with those who seek to worship Him in spirit and in truth, not just those who show up at a particular geographical place in a particular uh, construction, you know, particular building of construction. Um, Anyway, and even though it's geared to the temple, I, I like Solomon's dedication in this glorious temple and all this stuff going on, the glory of God. He's like, hey, the heaven and the heaven and heavens cannot contain you. How much less this place that I've built. And when, when this happens, when the people sin, when this happens because of their sin, and when this, and when this, you know, Hey, there's none who doesn't sin. You're awesome. We're sinful. And um, may you respond uh, with mercy uh, as we respond, as we come to you in humility in our brokenness and sinfulness. And may you respond in mercy and grace. And which he has in a enormous way by uh, giving us Messiah by giving us the Christ to that's a great outpouring of mercy and grace uh, for our sinfulness for our brokenness uh, for what you know what we could not do 
what we could never fulfill the law, what the law could not do, God did in sending uh, His Son, the Word becoming flesh, dwelling among us, living the life that we could not live, dying the death that we deserve so that we could um, live the life that He deserves and not have to die the death that He died for us. The great exchange. Anyway, I'll leave it at that. Amen. <laughs> All right. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I love my husband. He's a great man. Yeah, he is. Don't ever let anybody tell you otherwise. <laughs> Actually, I don't think anybody would ever tell me otherwise because, you know, he's the one that gets the comments about me. Just saying. Uh, anyway, Barb, George, thanks for watching. Uh, Sean, Gina, uh, Percy, nice to see you. Mia, Angie, thank you guys for tuning in over there on Periscope. Anybody else I don't see, thank you for, for watching. Appreciate you guys tuning in. You know, it's been it's been four days. It's It's been four days this month. And I think, yeah, we're going to do another special show. Uh, this Thursday, it'll be our, our last makeup show. So it'll be Thursday, which is Halloween, Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. Uh, we'll be doing another uh, show this, this week. So hope you guys can tune in. If you're not on my text message li list yet, join it. Text Bible News to 33222. I think most of you guys are, actually. Um, and uh, we will... We will uh, be in touch that way and keep us in prayer you know i am trying to meet this goal with with my legal shield business and i will just tell you here's the thing this this is an important goal <laughs> it's actually a big deal um and so you know i need to i need to i need to get to it so that's my big prayer request for that uh tug will get a checkup on tuesday and hopefully it'll be good hopefully he won't have to wear his cone anymore um on that and those of you who who are my friends on Facebook you saw the picture I posted so you can you can see how red his eye is it's actually looking really good um so just keep praying for Tuggy Bear as well um and also pray that the Lord would open a door for Randall uh to to have some video you know if you know anybody that needs video done for anything get in touch with Randall um he does top-notch work at a very reasonable cost. He really should charge double what he charges. Uh, but, you know, we don't believe in gouging people. So that's that's our big need right there. Uh, and I hope you enjoyed the show. So remember, be bold, people. Be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And we'll be back Thursday night. 